0: It is Inauguration Day, I'm sorry to say, and I'm sorry for a number of reasons, not the least of which is certainly now we're going to see a lot of violence from those insurrectionist, terroristic Republicans who just a few weeks ago uh, committed an unprecedented, shocking, historic coup d'etat type act of violence at the Capitol. I, I can only imagine that as a matter of unprecedented historic, unprecedented violence. We're going to see that kind of awful, terrible stuff today at the inauguration. Not everyone gathered here in Washington today came to celebrate President Trump's inauguration. Protesters lined part of the parade route and in some parts of the Capitol, there were confrontations with police. The anger reaching a boiling point in the nation's capital after President Trump took the oath of office. Police in riot gear facing off against the protesters just six blocks from the inaugural parade Unleashing pepper spray concussion grenades all to disperse the crowd
1: Burning cars and smashed
0: windows a small group of protesters dressed in black their faces covered armed with hammers and bricks FACING OFF WITH THOUSANDS OF OFFICERS ON SITE, MANY IN RIOT GEAR, CONFRONTING THEM WITH flashbang GRENADES AND PEPPER SPRAY. BEFORE THE SWEARING IN CEREMONY EVEN BEGAN,
1: PROTESTERS TRIED TO BLOCK CHECKPOINT ENTRANCES. DURING PRESIDENT TRUMP'S
0: SPEECH, SEVERAL DEMONSTRATORS WERE ESCORTED OUT OF THE AREA. SEVERAL OFFICERS INJURED DURING THE PROTEST TODAY, AND MORE THAN A HUNDRED PEOPLE ARRESTED. More than a hundred people arrested for things like setting cars on fire, setting stores on fire, assaulting countless people. that was the last one. That wasn't this one. That's so weird. That was at the inauguration of President Trump. And we're not talking about that today because no one cares about political violence or lawlessness or any other insanity when it comes from the left, because that's just the status quo. And if Joe Biden's inauguration means anything, it means a return to normalcy, a return to decadent, degraded normalcy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from last week was from Joe Mann, who was referring to the Daily Wire movie, which just came out. He said, without even watching, you already know that Run, Hide, Fight is good since the audience gave it a 98 and the leftist critics gave it a 17 on Rotten Tomatoes. That is true. That is one of the keys to it. Uh, the left uh, sort of critical Hollywood establishment is furious about this movie, but uh, the audience seemed to really like it. So thanks everyone for coming out, hanging out with us. I guess that might've been the last time that we were all hanging out together uh, because I took a couple of days off. You know, I am genuinely very, very sad about uh, President Trump's leaving office, you know, and uh, there are a number of reasons of this uh, for this, but I, one of it is I really want to be prepared. Uh, You always want to be prepared for the worst things that can happen. And, uh, but luckily I am prepared and that's because I have a ReadyWise. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. ReadyWise products are proudly made in the USA. Each recipe is crafted by a team of chefs to provide delicious nutritional meals especially during critical times. With a 99% satisfaction rate and millions of products sold, ReadyWise has quickly become the leader in emergency preparedness. I got to tell you, I used to be one of these guys that well, I don't need to be prepared. Well, it's, it'll be fine. I'll be all right. Then 2020 happened, you know, and uh, I, I sort of changed my views. This week, my listeners can get 10% off at ReadyWise.com when entering Knowles10 at checkout, or by calling 855 453 Twenty nine forty five. ReadyWise has a 30 day, no questions asked return policy. So there is no risk in taking the initiative to get you and your family prepared today. You're not going to want to return it. These guys are top in the business. That is ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Knowles10 to get 10% off. Go head on over, check out ReadyWise. You know how much I love them. I am genuinely very, very sad that President Trump is leaving office. It's been so fun. It has been the most fun political experience of my life that I've ever lived through. Uh, Conservatives, I think, have accomplished more certainly than we've accomplished in my life and probably for many decades before that. Uh, So I am genuinely very sad on Inauguration Day. However, I'm not that sad generally because the reason I've been out the past couple days is I just had a kid. I I wish, uh, thank you to everybody for sending in the uh, well wishes Um, my, my son has now already mastered expressions of bemused dismay and droll self-satisfaction. I posted some of these photos over the weekend. Uh, That means that he now has mastered the entire, uh, uh, breadth of conservative emotions. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much all you can get to. Uh, so uh, we're all very excited about that. It is helping to temper our sadness that uh, President Kofefe is leaving office, which is a genuinely, sad thing. We, we can now say we have at least one new conservative American future voter of, for good things, uh, on, on this earth and in this country. One new conservative American soon to be joined by, I'm far, I'm afraid to say 11 million new overwhelmingly left-wing Americans. So you see one thing I was really happy about with the birth of my son is that well? There were obviously many, many things I was very happy about, but not the least of which was he is not a Biden baby. You see, he was due on the 18th for a first child. It's it's typical for the kid to come later than the due date. I thought, no, Biden becomes president on the 20th. This is going to be a Biden baby. He's going to miss out on all the fun. But he got in on time, so he got in two days before the Biden presidency, and uh, we're very excited for that. Uh, uh, all, all the more reason that uh, I haven't slept in a few days. If I fall asleep at the desk today, uh, that's you know perfectly fine. Just so have someone come in and poke me, um, because we're we're gonna fall asleep. Unfortunately, not not today. We're gonna fall asleep for the next four years, and it's not going to be because it, everything is perfectly fine and hunky dory. It's because it's going to go back to the radical status quo that we had in effect before Trump came into office. Before Trump came into office. Things were happening very, very quickly. I mean, just, just to give you a quick example, we went from, uh, on the issue of uh, same-sex marriage, whatever your views on same-sex marriage, that's actually not my point right now. You had one definition more or less of marriage for all of human history. Then with Obergefell, at the insistence of Obama, you had a fundamental redefinition of marriage. And then a year after that, you had the the apparently fundamental right for men to go use the women's bathroom and for men to go and to use the, the girls changing room at the public pool. That's how, that's how quickly this sort of thing can accelerate. When Barack Obama ran for president in 2008, he opposed gay marriage in, in very strong terms. Hillary Clinton too, right? They said this was marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman and they have no intent on overturning it. Then Obama in 2012, it wasn't until right around the second term that he changes his view on that. Within a couple of years, you now have this sort of fundamental right to transgenderism and all of these kind of radical sexual ideologies the acceleration was really, really quick. We went from Barack Obama saying that it would be unconstitutional to give that executive amnesty just to the dreamers, right? And the dreamers, actually they're now as old as 44 years old, but at least the image of the dreamers is that they're supposed to be like six years old and they're really cute. And, you know, their parents brought them over and it's not their fault and we've got to give them amnesty. We went from Barack Obama saying that would be unconstitutional to it's so in effect that even Donald Trump can't overturn it. He tried. Courts shut it down. Now we're at the place where Joe Biden says we're going to give amnesty to 11 million people, path to citizenship, future Democratic voters. And that, and that is just a fact, by the way. I'm not, I'm hoping that somehow these voters will become conservative Republicans. I hope Reagan is right when he says that a lot of these voters are Republicans. They just don't know it yet. But the, the public opinion polls don't really bear it out. It would seem that, that, uh, recent immigrants from Latin America v- identify with the Democratic Party overwhelmingly you're talking about 80% plus and which is of course the reason why democrats are so keen on on pushing for amnesty that's a radical policy right but we don't we don't feel like it's radical because we're like the we're like the frog in the hot water we as things continue to heat up and heat up and get more radical and more radical we're just not paying attention to it and there is the full force of the media, higher education, lower education for that matter, big tech, especially now big tech. We'll get to that in a second. uh, The bureaucracy, everybody is pushing for it. And so ordinary Americans who maybe don't have institutional power and certainly have zero institutional power now that Trump is leaving, they're going to look up and say, wait a second, what? What is happening? You're going to legalize 11 million people, and then you're going to upend the voting system? or you're going to keep the upended voting system that we had in 2020. uh, This doesn't, this doesn't look good guys. And there's not going to be very much to do about it because the entire weight of the establishment is behind it. The way we know about this 11 million illegal alien policy, by the way, is because it's being reported on by the mainstream media. And uh, this brings me to one point that I think people sometimes forget when we've got a Republican administration and then we have a democratic administration we beat up on the media all the time, right? We say these reports are unfounded. They're ridiculous. It's the fake news. Don't believe it. So why should I believe a report from whether it's the New York Times or NBC or whoever that says that Biden's going to legalize 11 million or that's what's being talked about? When the media report on a democratic policy, that is a fundamentally different thing than when the media report on a Republican policy. And the reason for that is That the media are the Democrats and the Democrats are the media. Whereas when it comes to the Republicans, they are adversaries, right? The Republicans hate the media, the media hate the Republicans. So the media are always looking to try to antagonize the Republicans and they don't have particularly good sources. Whereas with the Democrats, they do. And so when something like this is being leaked, you know, it's being leaked by the administration. You know, they're floating it out there to see what the reaction is. And you know, they, they know that they're going to get good press coverage. So it's, it it is going to be more reliable. You're actually going to have to change how you look at the media from where you have been looking at them for the past four years. And the other, the, the other evidence of radicalism, you don't even need to look to the New York Times for, you don't even need to look to um, NBC or Washington Post, because some of these nominees are already coming up and they are really, really radical. And they're radical on matters of education and they're radical on matters of public health. Certainly public health has become the big issue of 2020. And Joe Biden has an historic public health nominee, which we'll get to. We'll probably get censored if we even talk about it, but we're going to have to talk about it anyway. And they are radical specifically on this issue of immigration. And maybe the the most surprising thing you're going to see, even just in the next few weeks, is not that you can believe the media a little bit more when they report on Democrat policies because the media are basically the press secretaries. One of the most shocking things is that Uh, heretofore, squishy Republicans are going to seem to grow a backbone. They're going to seem to grow a spine. Even guys like, I can't believe I'm saying this, guys like Mitt Romney are about to seem like strong, tough conservatives who want to defend the country and don't want amnesty. Not only are you going to see it, you're already seeing it. A huge, huge surprise. You know, I'm often surprised when I go to the auto parts store and they charge me a lot of money and they ask me a lot of questions about things I don't know anything about. I don't do that. You go to rockauto.com. It's much, much easier, much, much better family owned business. Rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to questions like, for instance, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't know what kind of X my Odyssey is. Why are you asking me that? Then, they usually won't have the part in the store, so they'll go into the back. They'll probably go to rockauto.com, order the part, then charge you twice as much. Don't You don't need to do that. You can access rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. They are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's, specifications and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. These guys are a a family owned business and they've been serving these online customers for about 20 years, which as far as I can tell is like the whole history of the internet. Write in Knowles in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. You know how much I love them. Go check out Rock Auto. Mitt Romney, Mitt, Mitt Romney, the most liberal Republican in the Senate, certainly in the top three, just came out to grill the Joe Biden Department of Homeland Security nominee. Uh, He came out because DHS is going to be dealing with caravans of people that are coming up to, you know, the southern border. He's going to be dealing with a lot of immigration issues. And Mitt wants to know, I can't believe I'm saying this. He wants to know if they're going to turn those immigrants away or if they're going to flout the law.
1: What is your intention with regards to that caravan uh, that is coming to our, our border? Uh, is your intention to allow them just to, to come into the country? Will they be stopped? What, what's, the, what's the plan? Senator, um, uh, we are a nation of immigrants and we are also a nation of laws. And I intend to apply the law in the execution of my responsibilities as the Secretary of Homeland Security, should I have that privilege. I understand that. And and what does that mean in this, in this regard? Does that mean that they will be interdicted and, and rejected from coming into the country, evaluated one by one? What's the, uh, what's the plan? Senator, uh, when people present themselves at our border, we apply the laws of our nation to determine whether they qualify for relief under our humanitarian laws or whether they don't.
0: Um, uh, kind of uncertain there. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you don't say, huh, Mitt? I actually got to tell you, I appreciated this grilling that he gave him. The nominee is Alejandro Mayorkas. He's obviously going to give all of these people amnesty because his boss, Joe Biden, is saying, I want to give amnesty to 11 million people. And now Mitt Romney is coming out, and you're probably very confused. You're saying, why is Mitt, the squishiest of the squishes in the Senate, why is he trying to, fight against illegal immigration? A couple of reasons. One, this is, this is like the top level reason, you know, the, the most obvious is maybe Mitt is thinking about running for president again. I I think very few people would expect him to win and probably few people even would expect him to run. But the guy has run for president on a number of occasions. He got the nomination one time. Uh, After the Trump era, things are going to change. Maybe Romney thinks there's going to be a way for him to recapture the kind of squishy moderate route or something. So maybe that's it. But I think it's actually deeper than that. I think the reason that uh, Romney is doing this sort of thing is because there's no longer a Republican president. So it's not just this, this grilling here. Romney is actually having a moment. So you'll recall during the reporting from the Capitol Hill riot, there was a report out that Mitt Romney turned to Ted Cruz and said, are you happy with this, Ted? Are you happy with what you've done? Or Something like that. Different versions of this going around the internet. Is it true or not? I have no idea. But this was being reported in real time. And it obviously fits with Romney's character as a squishy guy who, who didn't want Trump to be president, wanted Biden to be president, wanted to move on. But now CNN is reporting, CNN Manu Raju is reporting that uh, Mitt Romney told him, that Cruz and Hawley should not be punished in any way for objecting to the electoral certification on January sixth. So the Democrats want want Cruz and Hawley to be booted out of the Senate or at least censured for raising objections to the electoral vote because of the irregularities, let's call them, in the twenty twenty election. Romney just came out and said, I, I, I don't do a very good Mitt Romney, but but he just came in and said, I think they raised, they raised questions which are legitimate within the Senate. Not something I supported, uh, but I, I think, I think they're entitled to raise those points. I, it's a very bad Mitt Romney impression. It's so, if you want to do a Mitt Romney, it's sort of like you have to do a Reagan, but then make it lamer. And I, I don't know, I haven't, haven't succeeded at it and probably never will. The point he's making though is very good because I agree with that. I can't believe I'm saying I agree with Mitt Romney especially on an issue like this. He's saying, of course, Cruz and Hawley had the right to raise those objections. They are legitimate objections and we're not going to kick a Senator out for pursuing a legal process. Excuse me, sir. What has happened to Mitt Romney? What have you done? Who are you imposter? And what have you done with Senator Romney? On the one hand, great. I'm glad that he's having this moment. I'm glad he's being more conservative. I'm glad he's going to grill people. It's probably not going to do very much, but okay, wonderful. On the other hand, this is frustrating because of course Mitt Romney is good now. Of course he's saying the right things now and doing the right things now and behaving in the right way now because he's about to be in the minority. And Mitt Romney and Republicans like Mitt Romney were built in some factory at establishment GOP headquarters to be in the minority. They're meant to lose with dignity. They're meant to put up a big fight and put up a big show, but not actually do anything. You know when it would have mattered? It would have mattered under the Trump administration. That's when it would have mattered to put up a big fight. And there were lots of people up, up to and including the president, perhaps could have done more. Best president of my lifetime, but sure. There were missed opportunities and some unforced errors and lots of problems. Okay, fine. Where were you? Where were all of the real tough sounding conservatives when it mattered, when it could have mattered? you were all fighting the Republican presidential administration. And now that it's nice and safe and you don't need to risk anything and you know that nothing you say is going to matter, then you can mouth off and say, oh good, I'm going to be a big tough guy now and I'm going to s- support the conservatives. And I, yeah, I hate illegal immigration. And yeah, I totally support Cruz and Hawley. Okay, fine. I mean, I'd, I'll take that over nothing. I take that over Romney completely defecting to the Democrats, but it's weak sauce, guys. When, when Hillary got the nomination and Trump got the nomination in 2016, the conservative uh, humorist, P.J. O'Rourke, who I've, I've always really enjoyed P.J. O'Rourke's writing, he came out and he, he endorsed Hillary Clinton. And he said, I endorse Hillary Clinton and all of her evil works and all of her empty promises. <laughs> uh, he said, she's really, really bad, but she's bad within normal boundaries. And it was a, it was a, actually a brilliant column because it it explained what a lot of people thought. They said, oh, I hate Hillary, but Hillary's normal, you know, and Trump is not normal. So I, I'd prefer the devil I know to the devil that I don't. We're going back into normal and Mitt Romney mouthing off when it doesn't matter, that's normal. And pretending to care about illegal immigration for a lot of Republicans when they don't really care and they're actually secretly sort of supportive of it, that's normal and not caring about abortion, but like raising a big ruckus about abortion, but then not being able to do anything about it. That's normal. And the radicalism that we're about to see at the border and in education and in health policy, you know, all of that is actually normal within the boundaries of our politics. The problem is our politics has gotten so completely insane that in 2016, people voted for this guy named Donald Trump, who was a complete outsider to the elective office and national political scene, but he talked like a normal person and his views were ordinary views. Totally common sense. Yeah. Secure the border. Yeah. uh, Defend America. Put America before other countries when you're crafting a national policy. Yeah. Make sure American workers get a decent, get a decent wage over slave labor in, in China. Right. That, that, that Donald Trump would appeal to ordinary people, this like eccentric New York billionaire, shows you how crazy the political scene has gotten. But now we're back to normal. And normal is really, really radical. We've got radical nominees. We we talked a little bit last week about this radical floated nominee for the Department of Justice's uh, civil rights division. This is an enormous... After the Civil Rights Act, these sort of civil rights offices took on enormous power and influence. The the DOJ uh, Civil Rights Division has a lot of power in this country. And the person that Joe Biden is reportedly going to nominate for it has written the craziest, kookiest, most radical, racist sort of things. Uh, some of which have come back from her days at Harvard. She had these theories that melanin is what gives people mental, physical, and spiritual power. And it's why black people are mentally, spiritually, and physically superior to white people. And white people, a part of the, the way the brain functions involves melanin. And that's why white people are Dumb or something, and black people are really smart. All this kind of racialist nonsense that you'd seen out of the radical left in the '70s and '80s. I'm I'm thinking of wacky professors like Leonard Jeffries, who talks about how black people are the sun people and white people are the ice people. I'm thinking of guys today like Nick Cannon. You remember the actor Nick Cannon got in trouble because he said melanin is what gives people their power, and white people are like savages. Well, (laughs) the the Biden nominee or reported nominee for this very powerful post at the DOJ, civil rights, held these theories at one time and may well hold those theories today. That's completely insane, right? But it's insane within normal boundaries because of how wacky our boundaries have gotten. And it's not just at the DOJ. It's also at the education department. It's also at health and human services, which is the perhaps wackiest one of all. Before we get to that, last Thursday was a very big day for The Daily Wire. We made our entrance into entertainment content with our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. Uh, Run, Hide, Fight. It was really terrific. I got to screen the movie when we were considering acquiring it. I thought, wow, man, this is pretty cool. What a great way to open up our our entertainment portion of The Daily Wire. We'll have a new movie right in the new year. This was a movie that, that did well at Venice Film Festival, but it wasn't totally politically correct. It's not a conservative propaganda movie by any means. It just has conservative values in it. It it broke a few politically correct rules and so it couldn't get distribution. We thought, all right, we'll distribute it. If you missed it, head on over to Daily Wire where you can stream it on demand from our website, mobile or streaming apps on Apple TV and Roku. If you were not a member yet, what are you doing? Use promo code RHF. For those of you we're a little slow this morning because maybe you haven't slept in a few days like me. That is That stands for run, hide, fight. You will get 25% off. That is RHF for 25% off. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Joe Biden's a reported nominee for this very important post in the DOJ, holds a ton of extremely racist, ugly views. Similar views being held apparently by Joe Biden's uh, choice for deputy education secretary. So Joe Biden announced that he he wanted to pick uh, the San Diego Unified School District Superintendent Cindy Martin for deputy secretary of education. Deputy Secretary of Education, what what does the Education Department even do? I guess not all, they, they don't, they're not empowered to do all that much by the law or, you know, this obviously doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution, but they do have quite a lot of power to craft the direction of curriculum in the United States. One way they do this is through things like dear colleague letters, uh, basically strong recommendations from the federal government that, you know, if you want to keep getting your money, if you want to keep getting all these goodies from the federal government. You have to do what we want you to do on various sort of social engineering policies. Uh, The famous dear colleague letter from the Obama administration had to do with transgender ideology. Well, here, this person who Biden wants for deputy education secretary holds very racist views. She's a white lady, but she holds these very sort of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I guess black racialist views, the same kinds of things that we have just been talking about. So she believes that schools, quote, spirit murder, black children, and that white teachers should, should undergo, quote, anti-racist therapy, anti-racist therapy. So you've got now the announced Biden pick for deputy education secretary calling for the reprogramming only of white teachers who are not anti-racist enough, meaning they, they could be not racist, but that's not enough. You've got to be anti-racist, meaning you've got to be racist. <laughs> the teachers are, are not uh, focused enough on how terrible the scourge of white supremacy is and have schools quote, spirit murder, black children, whatever that means. And uh, so they've got to go to re-education camps. That's not even just being reported. That has been announced. Moving over to the Department of Health and Human Services, I've got to be very, very careful with this one because I think we could all be censored for this. And there are major calls right now for conservatives to be censored. So I'm just going to present the facts. Okay. And you tell me if something seems a little strange. Joe Biden has selected the Pennsylvania Health Secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, to be uh, Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. Dr. Rachel Levine, that uh, that was not his given name when he was born. Uh, Dr. Rachel Levine is a man who thinks that he's a woman. Uh, He's being nominated to be the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. A man who is under the impression that he is a woman in some deep metaphysical way that his true identity is a woman, even though all of the characteristics that he has are man, manly, masculine, uh, he is now to be the assistant secretary of health and human services. Does that seem a little strange to you? That seems a little strange to me. I don't, I don't want to step out of line. I don't want to, uh, seems a little strange, doesn't it? But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It only seems strange to people with even a modicum of common sense left. Because we are back into the normal scope of this liberal political regime. And the normal kinds of politics that we see here, that's not normal compared to objective standards. (laughs) That's not normal compared to historical norms you know, moving back decades and decades. But it is normal today. And what is also about to be normal, I mean, I'm joking a little bit as I'm tiptoeing around this issue. Gosh, what's strange about this? That a man in a dress who believes himself to be a woman is the assistant health secretary. I'm sort of joking as I tiptoe around it, but there's a lot of truth to it, which is that we are now at a place where if you come out and say a man is not a woman, and a woman is not a man, and a man can't magically become a woman by wishing it so and putting a dress on, you will face professional consequences for for it. You will face social consequences for it. You can currently be kicked off of social media if you do it in a specific way, which I hope my elaborate choreography here has allowed me to walk around but you, you cannot say that. You, you feel as though you're the last sane person on earth when you scream into the wind and say, a man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. And there's actually such a thing as sexual difference. But that, that's over because now we're headed back into the Biden administration, which is, it's the same thing as the Obama administration, which is just kind of the same thing as the establishment left. By the way, what you're going to hear, specifically with regard to Rachel Levine's appointment, you're going to hear that, oh no, this has nothing to do with him being a transgender person. This is just because he's so qualified and he's just the best pick for the job. Uh, I don't think that that is very likely to be true. Here's why. There is a uh, uh, quote from Robin Gonzalez of the Victory Institute, which I suppose is an LGBTQ sort of lobby. He says, quote, I think there is a value in giving visibility to doctors like Dr. Levine, who are kind of unique in their field, not just because of their demographics and who they are, but also because of their expertise. We also know that when people know LGBTQ people, it makes them more open to supporting our equality. So he, he made three arguments here. He made three, he gave three reasons as to why Rachel Levine should get this job. It's good to give visibility to doctors like Dr. Levine. Visibility. What does that mean? Means uh, because he's a man who thinks he's a woman. Not just because of their demographics, but also because of their expertise. Okay. So he's saying it's not just because he's transgender. It's because he is really expert at something. What we don't know. He doesn't specify how that expertise is completely unique and, and has nothing to do with the, the gender thing. But he's so much more expert than anyone else in the field. He doesn't explain that. And then the third one is, it's good when people see LGBTQ people. And here you see the LGBTQ is when you lump in everybody. So uh, a man who comes out and says, hey, I'm a guy, I'm attracted to other men. That is now supposed to be considered part and parcel of the same thing as a man who says, I am a woman, right? They're obviously not the same thing and they actually contradict one another. But one is a statement of sexual desire which anybody can understand and say, yeah, we, people have sexual desires. You're not pretending that bi- biology and reality is different than it is. You're just saying, I'm a man. I have this sort of unusual sexual desire, but you know, a bunch of other people have it too. And that's the way it is. Completely different <laughs> than a man saying, hi, uh, because, uh, you might be confused looking at me and all my physical traits. I want you to know objective reality is not true. You shouldn't believe your lying eyes. I, who am a man, actually am a woman totally different things. And of course, we've talked about this on this show before, but if you're, if you're going to promote LGBTQ altogether, you're going to run into a problem, which is that the kind of modern concept of homosexuality is based on this idea that there are men and there are women. And homosexuals are men who are attracted to other men and women who are attracted to other women. And you're, you know, it goes along with mottos like, we're born this way, you know, and... Uh, You can't change who you are and sexual orientation is is not changeable. Okay, fine. Totally. Got it. You cannot then also say that there is no such thing as sex and that all of these things are changeable. And not only is sexual desire changeable, but but my sex itself is changeable. So I can become a man. I I can be a man and pretend that I'm a woman and then really become a woman. Can't have all of those things at once. But you can these days. (laughs) You can. I actually... I actually explain how this, uh, this ideology has arisen in my upcoming book. We, I've never plugged a book on this show that had any words in it, but I can do this now because in addition to this kind of crazy 48 hours I've had with uh, my wife going to labor and then the kid coming, and it was a very long labor, and so we were at the hospital all the time, by an act of either cosmic poetry or cosmic sadism, My baby and my book were both due on the same day. I had to get this manuscript into the publisher. And it's got a lot of words, and it turns out it's harder to write books with words. But (laughs) the book is available for pre-order now. It's called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. And it's a history of political correctness, which I think has been completely misunderstood for decades. And it's why we've completely lost. And it's why now the realm of normal politics is so radically left-wing, because we haven't fought back against that. But what political correctness does fundamentally, is it replaces traditional moral codes with new speech codes. That's that's the main shift that happens with political correctness. And political correctness thereby attempts to redefine reality. Uh, But it's it's a purely negative mission. And what I mean by that is, the, the radical left, I don't think the radical left particularly cares about homosexuals and I don't think they particularly care about people who are confused about their sex. I think they are using these groups as a means of destroying the old order. So if you can destroy the old order with one argument, use that. If you can destroy the old order with uh, the opposite argument, you'll use that. But either way, what you're trying to do is destroy the old set of standards. And it, this is why uh, this is why the tactics have changed over the years. This, this a lot of it comes back to a line from Karl Marx, actually, which is uh, that Marx set out to, uh, to exert the ruthless criticism of all that exists. From that, you get familiar terms like critical theory, right? Uh, from these kind of Western Marxists who later on came and applied Marx more to cultural matters and kind of melded him with Freud. And uh, anyway, go you can go read the book to understand a little tiny bit of this. Um, but it is. It is purely negative and it's going to accelerate. And you're already seeing it accelerate in real time. All of these kind of radical picks from the Biden administration. And it has cultural effects too. I just saw this. This is the, on this question of gender ideology, one of the silliest headlines I've seen in a long time in the New York Post. 23 year old topples King with a gender neutral card deck And it's this gal here, you know, and she's got this new deck of cards. And she was very upset that in a traditional deck of cards, when you're, most games, I guess, when you're playing, the king is more valuable than the queen. We cannot have this. This is very terrible, right? Because that's patriarchal or something. So this girl, she got got a news article out of this in a major publication. She just made a deck of cards and replaced Jack, Queen, King with bronze, silver, gold. Who's the ace? I don't know. That's what she did. Topples the king. Now, Faith Moore, Drew's daughter, Faith, made this very good point uh, the other day when this article came out, which is, if you topple the king, don't you topple the queen too? When this gal made her new deck of cards, it seems like such a frivolous story, but it actually matters <laughs> to the culture because we're, we're mimicking this, or rather she is mimicking the culture and she is mimicking the political regime. We're doing this on so many issues. When you get rid of, if, if you want to topple the king and you think you're going to do that by getting rid of any sort of gendered cards, you're also toppling the queen. There is no queen in this gal's deck of cards. Modern gender ideologues, you'll notice it went very quickly from, you just see the acceleration, it went very quickly from boys can become girls and girls can become boys to something called non-binary or gender queer or non-gendered or whatever. There are like 50 different versions of this. Not people saying I'm one sex or the other, but saying there is no sex. There's no such thing as sex. I'm neither. And what that does to use a popular term from the left is it erases women there are no women. Now you might say, well, at least the women aren't ranked lower in the deck of cards than the men. Okay, fine. But if that's a victory, it's a Pyrrhic victory because there are no women left anymore. (laughs) Because the minute that you assert that there are women, that there's such a thing as men and women, well, if those are distinct categories, that means there are differences. And there are going to be some things that men are better at, and there are going to be some things that women are better at. I've been in the delivery ward of a hospital for two days. I understand there are some things that women are better at. <laughs> I understand that very well. There are going to be some ways in which men are stronger. There are going to be some ways in which women are stronger. There are going, you were, it won't be identical. This was, people would have laughed at you if you had made this point. Anytime from the beginning of civilization, even earlier than that, to about five or 10 years ago, people would have laughed at you if you, if you, made the statement, men and women are different, as as though it were some grand epiphany. Now that is politically incorrect speech. And they're probably going to censor people who try to say that sort of thing. That's the new normal. We've been talking about the new normal with the masks and the lockdowns. Well, that's part of it. But the new normal is much broader, much more radical than any of that sort of thing. And, And all this on the day, we have to say farewell to the Trumps. Melania Trump came out. She gave a farewell address first. It was very sad to see this. I love Melania Trump. She is the most elegant first lady we've ever had. She makes everyone's heart go pitter patter. My wife will send me videos of Melania speaking. Just say oh, Michael, oh my gosh, my heart's melting. You know, she just walks out. She's so composed, so beautiful. She said something that I I think it's, it's worth, thinking about as we enter the Biden administration. Not because it's any groundbreaking statement, not because it's even objectively true, but because it describes the current political situation. Melania Trump says, be passionate in everything you do.
1: In the midst of hardship, we have seen the best of America shine through. Students have made cards and delivered groceries to our senior citizens. Teachers have worked twice as hard to keep our children learning. Families have come together to provide meals, supplies, comfort, and friendship to those in need. Be passionate in everything you do, but always remember that violence is never the answer and will never be justified.
0: Okay. Objectively, what she's saying is not true. Right? Even she says violence is never the answer. Well, violence was the answer... Uh, in war, wasn't it? When, when war is declared on us, certainly we would all say the answer to that is violence, not just to roll over, right? Was violence the answer in World War II? That seems to be the only historical reference point that anybody has. Everyone's always comparing everyone else than the Nazis or whatever, but okay, let's use it. Was violence the answer in World War II? Uh, probably it was, right? <laughs> you know, someone is, some madman is trying to conquer the whole world then violence is the answer to that. It's never justified. No, it is justified. Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas and many many other thinkers have discussed when it is justified. I think what Melania is saying here is that unjust violence is not justified. You know, sort of vigilantism or riots everywhere or looting or whatever. Of course, that that's not justified. That's not justified at all. And probably this is a reference to the Capitol Hill riot. Sure, it should also be a reference to BLM. Fair enough. And then she says, "Be passionate in everything you do." Well, there are some places where you you know, little detachment is fine too. But I. I don't mean to nitpick the first lady's speech because I think there's actually some real wisdom in here. What we have had, if nothing else, for the past four years is passion. It's why an unusual coalition of voters came together and sent Trump to Washington in the first place. It's why people have had so much fun over the last four years is we had passion. And it seemed like for the first time in my life, we had passion from the the White House. Obama, in a way, you know, had a little bit of passion, but Obama was speeding things up in a little bit of way, but it was all still the same kind of liberal establishment. And maybe Clinton, Bill Clinton advanced that a little more slowly and Bush a little more slowly and Obama a little more quickly, but it was all the same thing. It was all the exact same thing. It's all the same kind of platitudes and the same kind of dull bureaucratic, technocratic language. And then Trump comes in like a wrecking ball, And that really fired a lot of us up. And we thought that was, oh, there's actually some hope that we can avoid this kind of bizarre, insane, ugly, anti American technocratic malaise. And we got that with Trump. And now Trump's leaving. It's very sad. Trump giving his farewell address, wishing Joe Biden well. My fellow Americans, four years ago,
1: we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you, truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word.
0: So he's going out on a sort of nice, gracious note. Okay, Biden's coming in. We've accomplished all we wanted to and much, much more. There's some things, obviously, the Trump administration didn't accomplish. But I will say, uh, without a doubt, He's uh, the, the favorite president of my lifetime, and and he he talked about the, the same sort of thing we've been talking about all day. That this doesn't neatly cut across into our politics. The Trump the Trump administration was unique in our normal political regime. He says it's not about left or right; it's about doing good for the American people.
1: Together with millions of hardworking patriots across this land, we built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. We also built the greatest economy in the history of the world. It was about America first because we all wanted to make America great again. We restored the principle that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Our agenda was not about right or left. It wasn't about Republican or Democrat, but about the good of a nation. And that means the whole nation. With the support and prayers of the American people, we achieved more than anyone thought possible. Nobody thought we could even come close.
0: You know, I usually don't like this rhetoric of it's not about left, it's not about right, it's not red America, blue America, right, Obama said similar things. But the reason I don't love that, even the country over party or whatever these other slogans, is because you join a political party to help your country. The idea is this party is going to help the country more, so I'm going to join that and support it. So I, I think it's a little bit of a false dichotomy. And the Trump administration has been generally very right wing, with some exceptions. But it is worth pointing out he was a little different. He wasn't the usual Republican. He cracked that status quo for a little bit, and in part of cracking it was he won. He got a lot of things accomplished, at least the first time. And we had a pretty strange 2020, pretty strange November of 2020. And that's, that's the end of the term. Farewell to uh, the best president of my lifetime. I hope President Trump stays around as a voice in politics. Very sorry to see Joe Biden inaugurated today, but hey, thank, thanks for the memories. (laughs) And uh, we've got a lot, a lot to look forward to. I got a new kid we got things to be happy about. I uh, will look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a 5-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, Be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bore. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. Democrats have officially assumed total control of the government. Trump pardons a corrupt Democrat politician. And the mayor of D.C. defends the political vetting of troops. All of that and much more today on The Matt Wall Show.